Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, a special Dear Andy edition. We haven't had one of these. Well, we had one of these fairly recently. We have not done a lot of these, but we're going to do a lot more here in the offseason. You guys always have such good questions and uh, take us in very creative directions. And we, we've got some fun questions today. Uh, I am recording this on Sunday night, right before the start of the Bills Chiefs game. So at this point, all three of the playoff games in the NFL this weekend have ended on a last second field goal proof positive that if you have a multi round playoff and one round stinks, it's quite probable that the next round might be pretty good or vice versa. So just put that in your back pocket for 2026. Cause you know, we're probably gonna have to wait until 2026. Thanks to the ACC. Speaking of the ACC, our first question comes from Ethan and it says, Hey Andy, I was thinking about the ACC's Notre Dame issue. The ACC wants them, and Notre Dame wants its primetime network time slot and flexibility. Isn't there a way, especially if the ACC's media rights still gets voided with new members, to quote-unquote guarantee a desired time slot in the New Deal? So this is what I, I think most people kind of miss the, the fundamental issues with Notre Dame joining a conference in football. It, it's not really about time slot or television, although – Notre Dame basically has its own television network in NBC right now. So that's, that's pretty good. But NBC may get into the business of televising another conference. I mean, what if it, the NBC got a piece of the Big Ten's rights in the next go-around? Like, that's not going to bother Notre Dame because then it's either going to have a great lead-in from a Big Ten. Like, imagine Notre Dame-USC. Okay, bad example because Notre Dame-USC is uh, happens at the end of the year when it's in Los Angeles, but in the middle of the year when it's in South Bend. But... Let's say Notre Dame was playing a home game the same day as Michigan-Ohio State, which, by the way, if NBC got the Michigan-Ohio State game, I don't think it will. I think Fox is going to keep that. But if I were Notre Dame and NBC had the Michigan-Ohio State game, I'd make damn sure I had a home game that I was playing on that day because that way I'd have the most watched game of the year usually as my lead-in to, to my game. So that that's it's not so much that it is that Notre Dame cherishes its its football independence but the Notre Dame ACC thing is a real part of why the ACC is holding up the college football playoff Jim Phillips the commissioner of the ACC can say whatever he wants and he can say that that getting Notre Dame to join the league in football isn't a big deal it's a huge deal it's really the only thing he can do during his tenure as commissioner to put the ACC in a better place because the ACC has a very bad TV deal right now that stretches until June 2036. And why do they have that? Because John Swafford, the previous commissioner, had to make that deal to essentially for the conference to survive. Remember, the Big Ten had just taken Maryland. Maryland, a charter member of the ACC. The ACC had other schools that looked like prime candidates that the Big Ten wanted to expand more. Like if they'd have wanted Virginia and North Carolina or Georgia Tech. None of those schools actually wanted to go. They all wanted to stay in the ACC. So there's no, no revisionist history here. They wanted to be in the ACC. 
but if implosion was imminent, then they would have been perfect candidates for the Big Ten. And that's what John Swafford was working with and worried about because they were not in a position of strength. They were still trying to save their league when they made that deal. So they made the, the TV deal and did a grant of rights where basically all the league members signed their rights over to the league, their television rights. And they made it stretch to the end of the TV contract. This is the same thing the Big 12 did, which is why Texas and Oklahoma barring some sort of legal maneuvering or just paying up are going to have to stay in the big 12 until after the 2024, 2025 school year. So until June, 2025, same thing, same concept applies here. It was about security. They were worried they're going to get ripped apart. So they, they pushed it out as long as they could. The problem is now the sec has done a new TV deal and that TV deal is going to last almost to the end of the ACC's deal, but it's going to be significantly bigger than the ACC's deal. The Big Ten has done a deal, will do another deal, and probably will do another deal after that before the ACC's deal ends. And that gap is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so that's where the ACC stands. They have no leverage at all to change that deal unless they can change their membership. The, the way they could change their membership is they have Notre Dame's other sports. They have a deal with Notre Dame where five of their teams play Notre Dame every year. Could they get Notre Dame as a full member? That would change the dynamics of a lot of things. That would make it much easier for the ACC to renegotiate that deal, maybe make it shorter, maybe give them some more flexibility. But Notre Dame does not want to join a conference in football. It has never wanted to join a conference in football. I know I've given the Notre Dame independent speech on the podcast before, but I'm going to go ahead and give it again. So back in the early, early 1900s, Notre Dame beat Michigan. Michigan coach Fielding Yost got real mad about this, said they were a bunch of cheaters or something, and said, we're not going to play them, and told the other schools in the proto-Big Ten, the Western Conference, you don't play them either. And so basically getting locked out by these schools forced Notre Dame to look elsewhere to schedule. So they had to go east to play Army. They had to go down to play Texas. They wound up going west to play USC. Uh, in 1913, they play Army, and it's supposed to be you know, the great, one of the great Army teams of all time. And Notre Dame comes in doing this crazy thing called the Ford Pass, which had been legalized seven years earlier, but nobody really used it for anything in, in big games. And Notre Dame beats Army Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, uh, Grantland Rice, Blue Gray October Sky lead to his story, and voila, you have a legend. Well, Notre Dame be then becomes, you know, a pretty famous football team. They they go they'll go play anywhere, and they wind up beating some really good teams. And so, what was a pretty small Catholic school in South Bend, Indiana, suddenly becomes one of the most famous Catholic schools in the country, and that increase their applications, increase the quality of applicants they got, increase the quality of students they got. Now, they weren't out of the woods yet. The reason Notre Dame plays Navy every year is because the Navy used the campus as a training base during World War II, and that probably kept the doors open because obviously enrollment dropped because the, the students were going off to war. So that's why that happened. But after years and years of that, of Notre Dame being a a premium college football program, it became the most ca famous Catholic school in America. And it got 
really high quality applicants from all over the country became an elite academic institution. So it, it's interesting because most schools that are elite academic institutions kind of frown upon sports or look at sports as, as a distraction or, or something that isn't central to the university's mission. mission. Notre Dame doesn't look at it that way. They understand that football helped them become the, the level of academic institution that they are today. So that's why the independence is so important to them. It means something to, to them. And they, they actually cost themselves money. Like they, if they joined the Big Ten, they'd make more money on television than they make with their NBC deal. But they also might lose enough money in donations that they don't net out a profit. And so that, that becomes an issue as well. So that's, that's the issue in the background here. Now, Jim Phillips says don't make you know, serious changes to the playoff because you're trying to make a quick buck, uh, worry about the, the safety of the student athlete, blah, 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 blah. I think there's some of that. I think some of that is true. I don't think all of that is true. I think a lot of it is this is the only time anybody's going to really listen to the ACC because they do need to vote yes if they're going to change the playoff prior to the playoff contract ending at the end of the 2025 season. So if they want to do some years of having a, a bigger playoff before 2026, the ACC has to say yes. So the ACC has some leverage. After that contract expires, the ACC has no juice whatsoever because Notre Dame doesn't need to join them. If there's a 12-team playoff, Notre Dame never needs to join a conference in football. And the ACC just doesn't have the level of teams that the Big Ten or the SEC does. I, I wrote this last week, and it continues to be true and will continue to be true for a long time. There are only two conferences that you can't stage a, a college football playoff without, and that is the Big Ten and the SEC. If you have those two, you have a playoff that TV networks will want and people will watch. If you don't have one of those, you don't have a playoff. You don't have a national proposition. And so the money would be significantly less. No one would recognize that national champion. And it's just not going to, it's not going to work. But here's the thing. I didn't say the ACC. I didn't say the big 12. I didn't say the PAC 12. Any of those are expendable. And especially any of the group of fives. Like if the Mac comes in and says, nah, we don't want to do it. they be like, who cares? More money for us. We don't have to split anything with you. So that's the part that, that the ACC is probably thinking about is, hey, we've got some juice now. We can use this to kind of turn things in, in whatever direction we'd like to turn them. But th there is a, a thing that they have to be careful with on this front. They need to be careful because they can't tick everybody off. You know, it, it's one thing if you tick the SEC off, it seems they've ticked the Big 12 off. The Pac-12, member of the quote-unquote alliance with the ACC and the Big, Big 10, they don't seem particularly thrilled with this turn of events either because the Pac-12 needs the playoff to expand like yesterday. So what's the ACC going to do? It's fine as long as the Big Ten is cool. If the ACC and the Big Ten are in cahoots or, and are arm in arm, then everything is fine for the ACC. Nothing bad will happen because, again, you need the Big Ten to have a playoff. The, the SEC folks can say whatever they want, Big Ten still makes more money in TV. Big Ten has these massive alumni bases, massive fan bases, huge brands. It's the richest conference, and it's probably still the most powerful, though the SEC wants Texas and Oklahoma get there. We can, we can have that argument. But as long as the ACC has the Big Ten as its protector, 
then nothing bad happens to the ACC. So as long as the ACC keeps that relationship good and Kevin Warren and the Big Ten don't decide, hey, listen, we we would really like to expand the playoff right now because we could get three, four teams in a year and it'd just be better for us. Like if that ever happened, the ACC is going to have to say, yeah, okay, let's expand right now because then the ACC does not have that protector there anymore. So that's what we're going to have to see what what they end up doing. I don't necessarily fault Jim Phillips for saying, hey, everything is in flux right now. Maybe you shouldn't be making any knee-jerk decisions because I, honestly, that's kind of how the ACC wound up in this position with this TV contract is they had to make some knee-jerk decisions because they had to save the league. And it it did help and it did the job, but it put the league in a bad position long-term. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get if you're the ACC, you're a little gun shy about making a, a very quick decision. I think that's understandable and and not really something to get mad at them about. I think you know, are they going to be a, are they going to eventually get to a 12 team playoff that looks pretty much like the one that was proposed last year? Yeah, I think I think so because I think there's too much support for it. And the other problem is it it kind of just satisfies everybody's needs and. At the end of the day, that's what you need. You, you need something that satisfies everybody's needs, and and especially the needs of everybody in the power in the Power Five. So, I think it'll get to that. But I don't I don't fault Jim Phillips for saying, "Hey, with everything changing, with the transfer rule change, with the NIL coming in, and all that, and with the NCAA essentially abdicating responsibility for football, I get it." I, you might want to figure out what your governor's structure is going to be before you figure out your postseason format. Now, if you ask Greg Sankey or Bob Bowlesby, the SEC or the Big 12 commissioners, they'll say, hey, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can do both at the same time. But I tend to slightly agree with Jim Phillips in that if you if you do make a change for, say, 2024 and 2025, that probably is going to be what the new playoff will be long term. And maybe you don't want that. Maybe you don't want to be forced into that. Maybe you want to take some time and do that. So I'm good with that. We'll be right back after these words. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Let's, let's go to a question from Reader Joe. Andy, why shouldn't the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 create their own playoff? 
Key advantage is that it's more competitive, no Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M recruiting dominance. They still get most of the country, even the Florida and Texas SEC is only 35% of the country, if I'm doing the math right, and more teams legitimately have a shot. I get that it's no longer best on best, but the SEC can be the NFL's AAA, and the rest of college football can be more like, well, college football. I'm sure it's a bad idea for a bunch of reasons, but interested in your thoughts. Joe, I'm glad you got there. You, you, I didn't even have to take you there. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work, again, for the same reason I said before. There are two leagues you need to stage a national playoff, the Big Ten and the SEC. If you have them both, you have a playoff. If you don't have them both, you don't have a playoff. So now, the SEC could stage its own thing, its own postseason tournament, like a Final Four within the SEC when it has 16 teams. And I bet that would do pretty well. Like, I bet that would make a lot of money. And it would just be split among the SEC teams, so they'd, they'd make bank off of that thing. The one you've, you, you've suggested... You're splitting it up a bunch of uh, among a lot more schools, and it would probably only make the same amount of money, or maybe a little bit more than the SEC one, and therefore everybody would get less. And again, both both systems, the the SEC one and the one with all the other ones, would make less combined than all of them together would. And that's just how we're. I mean, look at the NFL. If, if the NFC, if the NFL said. The NFC is going to sell its rights over here, and the AFC is going to sell its rights over here, and then we'll sell the rights to the Super Bowl. It would not make as much money as the NFL saying, we sell this, and you can buy little pieces of it, but we're not selling to one entity unless you pay us an incredible amount of money, and none of you can afford that. And so that's why you watch the NFL on four different networks. You watch the NFL on NBC. You watch it on ESPN. You watch it on Fox and you watch it on CBS and you can't really have a broadcast network without it. I mean, you've noticed that the the new deal, the Disney games that were just ESPN games, now they can run on ABC as well. So you, you've got to do that. And I just, I don't think people understand how much more money there is in everybody working together. And honestly, they should do it in the regular season too. I don't think they ever will, but they should. If, if the Power Five leagues ever really wanted, because we've we've heard a lot of talk, you know, the NCAA convention was last week, and the, there's always a lot of talk about whether the Power Five is going to eventually break away. If they ever did, what they should do is all get together and sell their TV rights, because that would make way more money than it makes now from a per viewer, you know, dollars per viewer perspective. It just it'd be like the NFL; it'd be a single seller. You couldn't pit the the ACC against the Big 12 in, in contract negotiations or like the Big 12's contracts coming up and you can't say, well, the ACC, we're only paying the ACC this, so we can only pay you this. No, it would be, here's the deal and y'all can fight over what pieces of it you get, but we're going to set the price. And I think that's, and maybe maybe that's what Jim Phillips is angling for ultimately. I, I, you know, Listen, if I had a, an albatross of a TV contract hanging around my neck, because let's be honest, Jim Phillips got the job in 2021 for the ACC. If he's the commissioner for 15 years, he's leaving as the contract is ending, you know? So that that's the issue. His job is to make sure they find a way to, to renegotiate that contract. And 
So I, I don't blame him for pulling out all the stops. Uh, we'll stay on this kind of vein uh, for a question from Kevin, because I thought this was interesting. I was expecting low television ratings after the semifinals produced an intra-conference matchup and a rematch to boot. Do you think the SEC is making a mistake moving from CBS to ESPN when you consider the growing number of cord cutters? I consider college football to be my favorite sport, but would rather spend my money going to local games than watching games on ESPN or other cable satellite channels. Thank you, Kevin from Pittsburgh, North Carolina. So here's the thing, Kevin. The SEC's new deal with ESPN is not with ESPN. It is with Disney which owns ESPN. What does Disney also own? ABC. So the game that you're used to watching on CBS at 3.30 Eastern time on Saturdays, you're going to watch on ABC now. So they're not going from broadcast to cable with that game. That game's going to be on ABC. And I would imagine there may be some other SEC games that wind up on a broadcast now on ABC as well. Because that was important to them. And in fact... The reason CBS got such a great deal on the deal it has now, remember CBS pays $55 million a year to broadcast the best SEC game each week, which is a bargain. That that package should be worth $300 million a year. They've been paying $55 million a year since 2009 and will be until the deal ends at the end of the, the 2022 season? 2022, 2023, one of those. It is obscene what a deal they got. But the reason for the deal, according to Bernie Matchin, who is the president of the University of Florida and the, the chair of the board of the SEC when all this happened, he said that Mike Slive, who was the commissioner then, it was very important to him that the league's marquee game remain on a broadcast network, that, that it reached that bigger audience. And, and at the time, that audience was shrinking. We were, we were almost to peak cable. Remember, peak cable hit like 2012, 2013 before it started dropping again. And so, but, but Mike Slive thought you can't abandon broadcast because that's where the most people are. And in fact, it's boomerang the other way now where everybody still has those broadcast networks, fewer people have cable and satellite. So, uh, no, Kevin, you're going to be able to see that same game on a broadcast network. It'll be on ABC, but you know, it, it's, it, it's just the money's coming from a different place and, and the SEC is going to get more of it for all of that. So I, I just, I wouldn't worry too much about that. And, and I think this, I don't think that deal gets done unless there's a broadcast element to it. Uh, th that's a, it's an important thing right now is, is remember the only thing we watch live are sports. The only thing where we have to watch the commercials are sports how do broadcast networks stay in business? Commercials. It's not like cable where you pay a subscription fee and that sort of thing. Now, broadcast networks do get retransmission fees from cable, but it's not the same thing. So they absolutely need you watching the commercials. Live sports, critical to them. So Disney slash ESPN slash ABC needed it and the SEC needed it. So that's why it worked out that way. Let's move closer to the field, although this is an off-field issue as well. This is a question from Mike. I hate using the word, the term overhyped, but is Caleb Williams just that? He's definitely talented, certainly has potential, and may prove me wrong, but here's what I see. He had some really good games, some really good drives, and some really good plays. However, I saw a lack of consistency at times, poor decision-making, decision confusion, and just not understanding what was in front of him. He's lauded as one of the top two or three college QBs, a Heisman contender, and a top NFL draft pick. I just don't see that right now. Mike, it's almost as if you saw a true freshman playing in games for the first time in a year and a half. Oh, wait, that's 
what Caleb Williams was doing at Oklahoma this past year. Now, is Caleb Williams as good as he's hyped to be? I don't know. You know, it, we don't know if he's going to be the next Baker Mayfield or the next Kyler Murray or the next Jalen Hurts. And I realize I'm using the, the names of Oklahoma quarterbacks. And uh, if you saw the photos of, of Caleb Williams' vehicle being towed, or, you know, not towed, he wasn't getting towed, but getting transported away from his apartment in Norman this weekend, that suggests he's not going to be in Norman this fall. So we don't exactly know where he's going to wind up. Uh, everybody keeps guessing USC that he'd be reunited with Lincoln Riley, but we'll we'll see what he winds up doing. So is he overhyped? Well, I know at the bottom of that thread where I saw the photos of, of the SUV being moved, there were a lot of Oklahoma fans saying, well, he wasn't that good anyway. BS. He's that good. He's good. He does things like go back to the Texas game when he came in. He does things you can't coach, you can't teach. Go back to the Kansas game, stealing the ball away from his own back so he could get a first down. Like, And I realized that he did not lead Oklahoma to points against Kansas in the first half, and that is a problem. So is he perfect? No. Is he going to be as good as Kyler Murray was? I don't know. Remember, Kyler Murray's first year as Oklahoma's starter was his fourth year in college. He'd been at Texas A&M for a year. He had to sit out a year. He was Baker Mayfield's backup for a year, and then he was the starter. Baker Mayfield got better every year, won the Heisman in his fifth year in college. Jalen Hurts got to Oklahoma in his fourth year in college, had been the starter at Alabama for two years, and then had saved Alabama's bacon in the SEC championship game in 2018. So those were much more experienced quarterbacks than what Caleb Williams was when he got to Oklahoma. And remember, He'd not had a 2020 season because he had an injury and COVID and all that stuff. So when he got into the Texas game, it was his first time playing in a long time. So I don't know that that we throw him out and just say, well, he's overhyped. I think everybody wants him for a reason. Now, is Oklahoma in a better place with Dylan Gabriel running Jeff Levy's offense where we've seen those two work together before and we know that Dylan Gabriel can, can throw for a lot of yards in Jeff Levy's offense? I don't know if they're in a better place, but they're in a very good place. So Oklahoma fans, I think you should be happy with the way things turned out. Maybe not ecstatic about it because Caleb Williams probably has a higher ceiling, but Dylan Gabriel can light it up in that offense. So it's not really going to be that bad in terms of, well, you lost the the guy you recruited who was the number one recruit. This is going to work out okay for Oklahoma offensively, but Could Caleb Williams be a Heisman Trophy winner? Could he be a number one draft pick? Yes, he can. He has those tools. He's going to have to work at it. He's going to have to get better. There were were a lot of plays, and this is where I I saw some of the same things Mike saw. Mike's discounting all the good stuff and and just focusing on the bad. But the bad was, there's some bad. I mean, if you watch Caleb Williams, there'd be a little bit of playground ball going on where he's dancing around in the pocket and he's pointing it, you know, in a direction for receivers to go. Well, DBs can see you pointing too. And, and sometimes those, those plays wound up being picks. So that's the thing that he's got to work on. But I do think that is the thing as a guy gets older and more mature and, and understands defenses better and how things work. I think he can get, get to that point and then not have to worry about it. So I think Caleb Williams is going to be a very good quarterback. I think the the derby to land him is legit. <laughs> if if you wind up getting him 
your your team should be very happy about that. So no, I don't think he's too overhyped. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be as good as the previous Heisman Trophy winner slash number one draft picks that Lincoln Riley worked with at Oklahoma, but I think he has the possibility of being in that in that vein. So we'll we'll see what happens. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We have a very important question from Andrew, though. This, This one, I've been thinking about it a lot since the season ended, so here we go. How good do you think the football team from Fansville is? It's definitely not a national power, right? So... I think Mia Mero, who who responded to this on Twitter, I think they have a great point. And their response was, great question. All sign points to their fan base being toxic. My guess says they're a blue blood of yesteryear trying to figure out how to get, quote unquote, back. Okay, so the fans that we are following in Fansville, like the, the, the mom and the dad who basically disowned their son because they found a did they find a lacrosse magazine or a soccer magazine? One is a gateway to the other. That's all I know. Uh, and then he goes off to college and he's going to Coastal, which looks just like Coastal Carolina, which by the way is a football school, but, uh, and, and then gets his dad's autographed football run over by a bus and it looks like they're going to disown him again. Like they, they're a little unhinged. The guy whose face is always painted, who took the goalposts and made it into a swing set for his kids, unhinged for sure. Uh, the folks at the transfer portal, trying to keep the guy from leaving, then saying, ah, we didn't want you anyway, and then welcoming the punter when he has Dr. Pepper. They got problems too. But I, I do agree with, with Mia, Mia Miero on this. I don't know that they're toxic, but the blue blood of yesteryear trying to figure out how to get back. I don't even know if it's blue blood of yesteryear. I, what I think it is is a, is a relatively smaller fan base. Not... Not tiny, but decent-sized fan base, but not Ohio State or Michigan, not Alabama, not Auburn, not, not that size fan base. I think they are pre-Dabo Clemson. They won a national title. The, the older folks were around for that national title, and then the kind of the parents, the, the ones who are parents of, of school-age kids now were kids when they won the national title, and, but they haven't really done much since then. So I think that's where they are. And it's a fan base that is not, again, not massive. Clemson has a, a very passionate fan base, 
but it is not the size of, say, the the Georgia fan base. It's, it's just not that big. And now it's a little bit. You have they their state, and then the the rival is Tech. And I realize in the state of South Carolina, South Carolina is the liberal arts school. Clemson's the A and M school, so Clemson would be Tech. But in this case, I do think Clemson is is state, and South Carolina is Tech. Two very passionate fan bases that can't stand one another that they're not the biggest but they hate one another and they're they're really into this all year and i gotta say i love the fansville commercials by i i do the the transfer portal one was brilliant it's it proves that the people who behind them actually watch the sport Unlike the people who do the Allstate commercials, who are like, oh, we'll just do something football adjacent. Like, oh, I don't know. Th- this woman uh, has a marching band following her. And this, the, the, the problem is the people in the Allstate commercials are complete psychos. The woman with the marching band following her takes the marching band through a car wash. Like, how sadistic is this lady? And then, of course, you have the idiot who's getting carjacked and smiling about it. Like, the only person I even kind of like is the one who her car turns into a, a homecoming parade float and at least, you know, does the pageant wave as, as she goes into her driveway. The other ones, I mean, they should be arrested, to be honest with you. I'd like, or, or well, the, the guy who gets carjacked shouldn't be arrested. I guess the people doing the carjacking should ar- be arrested. He should be institutionalized for thinking that's okay. But the Fansville commercials are, are great. Like, the best one is when the grill master and his, his girlfriend are, are in a fight and she goes and and has some food at another tailgate. And then he said he says, Well, but they use gas. I use charcoal. And she basically says, I can't taste the difference. The look on his face is legit. That's pure. That's true. Like if if you can't tell the difference, I'm not sure we can be together. Now, they end up getting married in this past season, which I, they, I don't know if they went to counseling. I, something had to happen because I, I, I don't know if I'm him. I just don't know if I can go through with that with someone who can't tell the difference between something cooked on gas and something cooked on charcoal. I, I just think it's it, it just might be a bridge too far. But they got married and it's okay. And and by the way, did we all see the last Fansville commercial? Uh, Kentucky fan eight five nine by the way asked Fansville or Larry Culpepper. Well, if 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 we're to interpret what we saw in the last Fansville commercial, it's basically they stole the ending of St. Elsewhere. Like, Fansville is in a snow globe on Larry Culpepper's desk. He imagined the whole thing. I, I, I mean, and Larry's a little little out there anyway, so maybe, maybe that's possible. But it, it is, I mean, it is a blatant ripoff of St. Elsewhere. At least they didn't rip off Newhart and have Larry wake up in bed with somebody. But... That, that's that's where I am on, on Fansville. I, I think pre-Dabo Clemson, if we had to guess what the the level of success that, that State is having right now, I think that's probably the right one. Our final question tonight comes from Crawford. Dear Andy, what are you watching now that the season is over? And also, please rank foods to eat when it's snowing. All right, so what I'm watching right now, I started watching 1883 when it came out. And loved it. Love when Sam Elliott dishes out some frontier justice. Can't get enough of that. I told Ari Wasserman I was watching that. He goes, so you've watched all Yellowstone, right? Because 1883 is the the prequel to Yellowstone several generations ahead. Uh, 
And I said, no, I haven't watched Yellowstone. And I figured this is the prequel. I can just watch this and then I can catch up. on He's like, no, 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 you, you got to watch Yellowstone. So I have been watching Yellowstone. I am finishing up season three as we speak. It is the reason I have not started watching Ozark yet. Ozark is on the way. It's coming. But my wife and I, that's one we both watched together. We got to make sure that she's caught up on the Great British Baking Show to her satisfaction. And then we will move on to Ozark. But so I'm trying to get through... And I figure I'll just go through Yellowstone season four and then pick back up 1883. I watched the first three episodes. There'll probably be quite a few episodes that I haven't seen, so I can kind of churn through those. And very excited about that. Lots of frontier justice on both shows. I really want to go to Bozeman, Montana. I I bumped into Brent Vegan at the coaches convention, and Brent Vegan is the former uh, North Dakota State and Wyoming offensive coordinator who's now the head coach at Montana State. And... I mean, when when Beth Dutton says that one of the most important things in Bozeman is who are the Bobcats playing, I mean, that, that's that's big time. When Beth Dutton is one of your biggest fans, you've made it. That's all there is to it. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited about that show. I, I do feel back like Casey Dutton, not entirely sure how the how every time he walks into a room or or on in onto a field, like somebody just dies. But it's it definitely keeps things going. It keeps the keeps the drama churning. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on on Yellowstone, all in on 1883. Can't wait for the next season of Ozark. One more that we watched. My wife and I are big sci-fi people, fantasy people. We watch all all of the the Game of Thrones, the Expanse, uh, the Foundation on Apple TV Plus was fantastic last year. That's a good sci-fi one. Great fantasy one. We, we were watching. The Wheel of Time on Amazon, which is is a good show. It's a pretty good show. And obviously, popular set of books. They spend a lot of money on the show. Look good. Acting is okay. But then the new season of The Witcher dropped. If you've not watched The Witcher, I don't even care if you like the fantasy stuff. Just watch The Witcher. It's got comedy. It's got action. It's got romance. It's got it all. So there's two seasons right now on Netflix Go watch The Witcher. Your friends will call you a nerd. It doesn't matter. Nerds rule the world. Just, it, it's cool. You got to watch that one. Get back to me. Thank me later. I promise you're going to like it unless you're, you just hate fun and blood and swords and guts and all of that other stuff. So that's what I'm doing right now. Got to finish up Yellowstone. Ready for Ozark. As far as foods to eat when it's snowing. I don't have a lot of practical experience in the snow. I've never lived north of Knoxville and I've spent most of my life in Florida, but I did just get back from a vacation where there was snow and chili obviously is, is one where I'll say, you know, it's great to sit there and eat some chili as you watch, watch the snow fall or sit there in the cold and, and you're trying to warm yourself up. But on the deck at the ski lodge, waiting for my kids to finish, Here's, here's one. Hot pretzels with beer cheese dip. That is a great in the snow appetizer. That is a fantastic. And, and you, you throw, throw a nice dark beer with that. I had, uh, it was called Devastator Double Bock. It's a, it's a Wasatch Brewery one down out in Utah. That is a fantastic snowy afternoon snack. I don't know, we can't call it a meal. Now, the giant hamburger I had that was also doused in beer cheese, that was probably the meal. But the pretzels in the beer cheese with the double bock, 
You can't beat that. You just can't. So thank you, Crawford, for the question. Thank you all for your very fascinating questions. We're going to do quite a few more Dear Andes as the offseason goes. We'll talk a lot more football. We'll, we'll throw a little NFL in there because we got the draft coming up. And obviously, college football never actually stops. So we'll keep you up to date and we'll have a lot of fun. Hit that subscribe button. Please tell a friend if you like the show. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.